0: Hello, this is Tony Butler. I'm joined with our host, Bob Papadude bittner Bob, how are you today? I'm just fantastic. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous day out today, and uh, it's just a good day to be alive. It is definitely beautiful outside. I'm loving the weather. I also can't believe we're we're moving into November. It's unbelievable. Christmas, right? Before we know it. Before we know it, for sure. Um, Time is just flying by, so... You hear people say it. I say it. It's still hard to believe how quickly it goes. It really is.
1: Well, Tony, I wanted to talk about some things today that are near and dear to my heart, and I want to go right down to the maintenance guy today, to, right. that, to the to the down to the the uh, nuts and bolts, or maybe from bearings to bulbs today. Okay, <laughs> I like that one. And um, uh, so so often we uh, we. Don't talk down at the maintenance level of the physical maintenance activity, but I kind of wanted to do some things that, that I've observed over the years that some have become a, uh, a passion yeah. to me <laughs> and uh, some that just irritate the crap out of me. <laughs> And uh, so, just wanted to talk about those a little bit today, and it's just some common sense stuff.
0: Absolutely. Real quick, though, before we get started, I got a trivia question for you if you're interested. All right. Sure. So, I, I want to know if you know who created the first thermostat, and if you do, who and maybe even when
1: um, Golly. I, I'm thinking it's probably one of the big manufacturers, but I'm not sure. So, uh, maybe we'll share that at the end if you've got
0: the answer. Okay. Do you have the answer? I have the answer. All right. Well, let's do that. <laughs> So let's start with something as simple as uh, grease, right? All grease is the same, right, Bob? Uh,
1: Actually, it's not, Tony. (laughs) And um, uh, one of the things that I think we often overlook, which really we talk a lot about preserving equipment and extending life of equipment and just getting the normal life expectancy out of the piece of equipment. And a lot of times we fail to do some of the very basic maintenance tasks correctly. Okay. Uh, and one of those uh, is greasing uh, equipment. Today, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of development in bearings and so forth that a lot of them have become lubricant-free that you don't have to oil or grease the bearings on a regular basis. But we still have tons and tons and tons of grease fittings on our equipment and oh, in yeah. our buildings on motors and so forth. And uh, a lot of people just assume that you can just pick up a grease gun with any old grease in it, and go to the grease fitting, stick that thing on there, pump it three times, and if three times is good, six is even better. I don't see any problem with it, Bob. And no problem, Tony? <laughs> well, let me tell you what the problem is, Tony. First of all, grease guns typically will dispense different amounts of grease. Okay. So you see the typical uh, grease gun that a lot of people use with the long lever on it, mm-hmm. and you pump one of those, and a squirt of grease comes out. And you put that on the grease zerk, uh, the grease fitting, and you pump it. And for each pump of a gun like that, it puts in about 1.2 grams of grease. Now, there's others that just have kind of a lever handle on it right, that you those. squeeze. It's more like a pistol. Mm-hmm. And they only deliver about 0.8 grams of grease. So there's a different amount of grease that goes in and why that's important, I'll tell you in a minute. But it's also important about the type of grease that you use because some motors and some pieces of equipment run at a lower RPM and they require a different level of grease, a different type of grease, a different viscosity of grease, if you will. As the motors run higher uh, RPMs and hotter, it takes different grease. So you just can't take one grease gun, for instance, and just assume that you can do all of the grease fittings uh, in your facility, in your manufacturing plant, in your your hospital or wherever, and have the long uh, expectancy out of those bearings that you normally would get. And a lot of times, we've been accustomed in the past to just putting the grease gun on there, pumping it several times, Waiting to see grease come out somewhere, and then we say, I must have enough grease in there. <laughs>
0: well, like you said, if three is good, six is
1: better. That's right. right. But uh, a lot of times, <laughs> what will happen is if you over grease something, then that grease actually gets in, usually on the winding side of a motor. Okay and gets in there and then it will bur- actually burn out that motor. It'll make it much less efficient. It'll make it run hotter and then eventually prematurely burn out the motor So we're actually because of that
0: grease. Much more
1: damage. We're doing we're doing damage. And the other thing that I think a lot of people fail to do is that they fail to clean off the area before they put the grease gun and give it a couple pumps of grease and get the grease clean particularly if it's the first time that day you use it you'd be surprised the small minute amount of dirt that would be captured in the grease and then pushed into the bearing that will really cause that bearing to fail prematurely and so it's important to clean the area uh, get a fresh squeeze of grease in there and i think a good practice uh, a lot of times as opposed to trying to remember every time what kind of grease you use is they a lot of times they'll put a. A paint dot on there, uh, a blue for a certain type of grease, mm-hmm. a yellow for a certain type of grease, a green, a, a, a blue for a certain type of grease, and then you have your grease guns color coded right. to map that to that. And uh, so I think making sure that the grease fittings are good and clean, mm-hmm. that you do a little squirt of grease out of it, and then that you're using the right type of grease and the right amount of grease. And we're not going to go into all those details today, but there really is a science. It's not just pick up, do it, jam it till you feel like you've got enough in there and and leave uh, because you could
0: be doing more damage that way. So I know um, you mentioned not all grease is the same. Obviously, we just covered that. But are all light bulbs the same? You know, this is another one that we run into. Light bulbs. That's a great
1: question, Tony. I think there's many more kinds of light bulbs Mm -hmm. than there are greases out there. And the interesting thing, not only just the type of bulbs there are, you know, the fluorescent and the incandescent and, you know, a lot of the incandescent bulbs have been now are being phased out for Mm -hmm. more efficient bulbs, but a lot of the things within our facilities and the one thing that really bothers me when we're talking about keeping your facility well-maintained and it looking nice when you come in and prolonging the life of your facility. A lot of it is around the look and the feel and what activities you go on. So light bulbs in particularly, and most of our facilities have fluorescent lights in them today, Mm -hmm. still. And uh, the color rendering of a bulb. You know, there's a broad spectrum of color in light bulbs. From a very warm bulb, from from down to the candle, which is the warmest bulb, uh, both literally and physically speaking. (laughs) Uh, up through some very high intense, uh, very clear uh, light uh, sources in there. So when a space is designed and built and they design a certain color rendering for that space, it makes a big difference. How, how retail wants to display product and the light that they want to put on it. How kids are studying in school and the, the light they need to really distinguish colors and the, the written text and visually on the boards, it's important. And so, a lot of times, though, people will just grab whatever bulb. There's a bulb out, I'll just grab a bulb and I'll put it in. And so, you walk into a classroom or you walk into a, a patient room or you walk into the under the manufacturing floor and you see this very obvious color change uh, when it's not the same. I've seen that before. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just not only does it look odd aesthetically. It's probably interrupting what the original intent was for the color. A lot of times, purchasing agents will say, "Oh, I well, I got I got warm white at a at twenty five cents less a bulb." Yeah, but that's not how we had designed this room. That's not what we had wanted it to look like when students came in to to read. It's interesting because I, I'm in the process of remodeling our house and I'm doing a lot of the work myself and I'm doing all the deconstruction and we've lived in this house now for almost 14 years and there was a piece of accent tile in our bathroom shower that if you would have asked me Bob what color was that I would have given you a thousand dollar bet that it was black and I said when I when I took it out and I took it out under the sunlight and I looked at it it was forest green and i said to my wife i said what color is that tile strip in our bathroom she says well it's black i said no it's not it's green and she went up and looked at it and she said no it's black and so i took a piece of it and i said look here come out here in the sunlight and look at this and she says huh that looks like forest green yeah <laughs> and so a lot of it has to do with the artificial light in there and what you see and so colors and how they're presented and how they're looked and how they're uh, portrayed under different light sources but just from an aesthetic just from an aesthetic standpoint in itself is getting the same color rendering uh, of bulbs in place
0: why don't we have we have that issue here in our facility there is a conference room that people do not use because of the color that's coming off of the lights. yeah so uh, and yeah. there's there's
1: there's just a lot about lighting and and things that uh people need to know in the facilities but some of the very very basics is let's get the color right you know let's make sure that we've it's the color that was intended for this room for the purpose of what's going on in here and how people are feeling another thing is you know a lot of people are very sensitive to light yeah and uh, a lot of times different light coloring will cause headaches will cause migraines and so when I was doing stuff in the particularly in the school system and somebody would have an office, or in in, in the public market, uh, if they'd have an office and they were having headaches, and you'd put in a different uh, color light bulb and just make the world a difference to them, and then we would have to record that to say, hey, wherever Johnny is as a student, we need to make sure the lighting is right, or wherever Mary's office is, we need to make sure that that lighting is right because of her
0: for headaches. Well, I think I think about that small detail and how important it is potentially in the impact that it has on. You know the people who are in those facilities. Yeah, and
1: Um, and even even things down to like uh, kids that are on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. things like that can really set them off. Uh, Just the light color in in a room can be something that can
0: trigger trigger their behavior. So again, uh, the the folks in facilities and maintenance and just how important they are to the lives of those who they're serving. Yeah, you know another thing that comes up regularly, HVAC air filters. Um, oh don't get me started on this one Tony I I know this is a big uh, something you love (laughs) yeah you know
1: we often look at uh, we often talk about the very basic p.m. you know changing air filters right and we often think that boy this is just the simplest job in the world anybody can do this well when you're talking about changing air filters there's a number of things to take into consideration A lot of times, unfortunately, when the manufacturers manufacture an air handling piece of equipment, they don't take a standard air size filter. And so a lot of times what they'll do is they'll put some kind of a spacer in there to help take up that space. Because you want a good solid bank of filters across and no space because you're trying to protect the coils uh, the purpose of the air filters in most cases now when you get into high efficiency clean room type it's a little bit different but it really the intent is to protect the uh, face and the coils in the air handler from getting all dirty and uh, losing efficiency because right. once the dirt gets on the coil it's just like insulating them and so you want to do that and uh, the the uh, bypass on a filter, if you have bypass in a filter bank, uh, it's uh, exponential. It's not linear right. in in the effects that it has. And so it just used to bother me to no end. And I'd go into an air handling room and I'd see that spacer taken out and laid up on top of the, of the, of the air handler. It's fallen down in the air handler and you've got a gap of two inches in there, and it's just bypassing, and you can just see the dirt. And I'd say to the guys, you guys must love coil cleaning. And it's one of the dirtiest, nastiest jobs there is because you don't put these spacers back in in there. And I, I think um, uh, air handler or air filter replacement is very understated in the importance of PM. Getting them tight, getting them good, getting them in place, having the right filter Uh, all those things and we don't have time to into all that today maybe sometime we'll just spend a whole section on air filters but there's something else that's very important that goes on when you do an air filter change out and that is the observation of everything else that's going on with that unit you know you're standing there you're listening to it you're hearing it you're seeing it you're smelling it you're using all of your senses to say hey is everything all right about this unit and I used to say that you could, I could walk into a mechanical room and very quickly tell if there's a problem there, if there's air leakage, if there's something going on, if there's a belt squealing, if there's something going on, uh, as opposed to just going in, pulling out uh, 6, 8, 10, 12 filters, replacing them and walking out without observing everything else. Because I think there's this whole thing about let's use all of our senses when we go into a room to do maintenance to say, is there something else going on? but. Extremely important that when the filters are in and the filter bank is full, that you're
0: not getting any leakage around that and carrying dirt and getting it onto the coils. No, I, I can definitely understand the benefit of paying attention when you're in that mechanical room to what's going on. So, uh, no, that makes sense, Bob. Um, I know another pet peeve of yours: uh, channel locks. Oh, Tony, channel locks! <laughs> I used
1: to tell my guys. Uh, that if I found them with channel locks uh, in a bathroom, doing work in a bathroom, that they were just about as good as fired. (laughs) And I never fired anybody over that, but it just bothers me when people don't use the right tools for the work that they're doing. That that makes sense. We spend a lot of money in making nice fixtures for our restrooms, and uh, a lot of them have chrome on them, and guys will carry channel locks around, and they'll just go up, and they've got to make an adjustment on it. they got to take it apart and put a new kit in it. And they grab it with channel locks and rip it around. And you burr the top of a, a flush valve. You burr the fixture on the sink. And it just looks nasty. It looks like people don't care. Right. And, you know, the whole thing about uh, good facility maintenance and the look of it is when you go in and things are right, you don't notice it. You know it's there just because it's right, mm-hmm. but not as much as you go in and it's all messed up, and the air, the uh, diffusers are dirty in the in the area. You go into the bathroom and the fixtures are all gnarled and nasty looking, and they have sharp burrs on them. And it just says it's just speaking out loudly. I don't care. Right. And if you don't care in that area, that are simple common sense things, then you know, what about the more complicated, the more sophisticated things that I have to do? Uh, Do I care about those? It's like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. right. And so they make great tools these days. Uh, They make channel locks that you can slide on a rubber protection that you can do that with now. So it's not necessarily the tool, but it's how you choose to use it and what you use it for and uh, I am a big believer uh, in uh, maintenance guys walking around with a few tools in their pocket. Yeah. We always talk about uh, no ticky, no worky, <laughs> and, uh, but when you walk into a, into a bathroom and something's leaking or uh, you walk up and there's a light switch that's loose, have some tools with you, fix it, pull out your phone, create a work order, document what you're doing, and uh, so people know that those things are be- being done and you're documenting those things, but then again, you know, use the right tool. And if you have to go back uh, for the right tool, take the time to go back and get the right tool. Uh, so it really shows, shows and says about you, and I've often said that your work is a signature of who you are, yeah, right? I agree. And uh, so if I go in and my work is, is of high quality, and I'm doing things the right way, and I'm taking the time to do the right things, Whether it's greasing a motor, whether it's changing light bulbs, whether it's uh, changing air filters or working in the restroom, you know, those common sense things that to so many say, well, that's just easy. Anybody can do it. There's more to it than just screwing in a light bulb uh, or just pumping uh, six pumps of grease into a (laughs) grease
0: Uh, fitting. Bob, at the beginning you said this is from bearings to bulbs, but I almost wonder if this should be Bob's pet peeves.
1: Well, it, it could be labeled that as <laughs> yeah. well, too. But uh, I just, uh, those, these are just observations I've made over my career that I think just can make a huge impact on the facilities that, uh, that our folks maintain.
0: Yeah, the devil's in the details, yeah. and it sounds like those details, to your point, will make a huge impact over the folks who are in those facilities that you're managing day to day.
1: You know, we didn't try today, folks, to really get in and tell you what type of air filters to use and and which brand is better to buy or what grease to uh, really specify those things are all laid out there you should do the research what what's the best colored light for the classroom that's not our intent here but it is to our intent to say hey let's take the the basic things that we do every day or we should be doing every day and doing them of high quality and really showing the the owner's the people that pay the bills, the the occupancy of the occupants of the building, that, hey, we really care about what we do. And we're really doing our very best to prolong the life, to make it as comfortable and as good a place to to be, to work, to study, to learn, to heal, to play, uh,
0: whatever it is we're doing in that space. Absolutely. Making you guys aware. And then, of course, raising the level, right? You have pride in your work and that pride will come through. So raising and elevating how the, the maintenance and operations staff is viewed in your organization. Exactly. Well, Tony, you know, one of the, uh, one of the leading uh,
1: issues that our facility folks may uh, get uh, questioned about every day or get comments about is it's too hot or too cold in my room. Mm-hmm. And that's all controlled by a thermostat, Tony. That's right. And uh, you started this off by uh, who in the world was the first person that discovered this thermostat, and it has created
0: a lot of work orders over the years. A lot of work orders. So uh, in 1883, Warren Johnson, who at the time was a school teacher in Milwaukee, created the first thermostat. Wow. So he later went on to, of course, uh, be a founder for Johnson Controls. Johnson
1: Controls. Right. Well-known company in the the industry. And... uh, So uh, we have Mr. Johnson to thank for a lot of things Mm -hmm. and uh, the thermostat is one of them and every one of us has one of them. Absolutely. (laughs) So uh, well Tony thanks for letting me share some of my kind of common sense basic things today and uh, just to try to drill down into that a little
0: bit. Bob my pleasure it's always a joy to, to learn from you and hopefully the audience feels the same as I do so thank you for sharing that with us. Remember guys know your grease.
1: Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and you can even email us at dspodcast at